Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Mindful Perspective. I'm your host, Nick Levesque, Certified Spiritual Life Coach, and I'm here to share insights into my journey of mindfulness and self-discovery. Each week, we'll explore mindset, spirituality, and personal growth to help you navigate life's challenges with practical strategies and inspiring stories. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of A Mindful Perspective. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about a topic that I find pretty fascinating, and this is imposter syndrome. So maybe some of you are familiar with the term, or if you're new to it, this is what we'll be talking about today. So we'll be diving deeper into understanding what specifically imposter syndrome is, and also tips and tricks as usual on how to deal and work with imposter syndrome. So to start off, let's expand a bit more on what imposter syndrome is. So like the word implies, imposter syndrome essentially makes you feel like an imposter, right? So it's basically an experience or feeling like you're phony in some area of your life, okay? And that could be multiple different areas, uh, but essentially it it leaves you feeling like a fraud, like you're not qualified enough. And that can be despite all the great accomplishments and successes that you've had in your life. Now, again, despite all the great successes and accomplishments you may have had, Imposter syndrome will make you think otherwise, right? So essentially, it it can cause a lot of self-doubt, even in areas that you know you excel as an example, right? Um, It can cause you to have a lot of second guesses uh, or just second guess your decisions, for example, right? You're never sure if the decision you're taking could be the right one. Um, You also may think that your success is all about luck, right? Oh, I just got lucky that this happened to me or, oh, I'm just lucky that I got this promotion as an example, right? So it's almost like you externalize your success because you don't think that um, you deserved it or you should have achieved it as an example. Now, let me provide you a few examples of this and I'll share my own story later because I'm someone that's personally dealt with imposter syndrome a lot. But essentially, imposter syndrome can manifest itself in many different areas of our lives. It could be that you've been nominated for an award, okay? But you feel like an imposter at the recognition ceremony because you really truly feel like your achievements really are not worth that nomination, right? You feel like, no, no, my work is not good enough to to receive this reward as an example. Imposter syndrome is also uh, seen highly in work environments, right? So just another quick example, let's say that you've been promoted, okay? Maybe you feel like you don't uh, deserve that promotion. Or it could also be the fact that you just got a new job, right? So you, you applied for a new position, you got accepted, and now you're starting into the role and you're like, oh my goodness, you know, what am I doing here? I can't do this role. This is way too complex for me. Uh, they'll they'll definitely figure out that I can't do this work or that I'm not good enough for this work, right? They'll 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 figure out soon enough that um they 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 chose the wrong candidate as an example, right? So again, it's really all that self-doubt um that we have uh, about ourselves. Um, it can also not only be in work, but it can also be in relationships, right? It can it can also manifest itself in new parent. So as an example, you're a new parent and you're like, oh my goodness, who am I to be a parent, right? I'm not going to do a good job. Who am I to, to take care of, of this newborn as an example, right? So these are just a few examples to highlight imposter syndrome. But as you can see, imposter syndrome can take a hold of a variety of aspects in our lives, right? And This phenomenon was actually first described by psychologists uh, Susan Imes, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Pauline Rose Clance in the 1970s. And essentially what they were saying is typically the way this study started was uh, in high achieving women, right? So basically uh, the studies that they found was that imposter syndrome was common in high achieving women. But 
we soon notice that imposter syndrome impacts pretty much everyone, right? And studies show that 70% of us experience imposter syndrome at a certain point in our lives. And as I was putting this episode together, I also found something pretty fascinating. But Einstein, right, one of the greatest minds to ever live, also had imposter syndrome, right? So he was basically saying that his work did not deserve as much attention as it received. So as you can see, imposter syndrome impacts a lot of people, right? Even people we might not even think as an example that uh, it would impact. Now, the problem with imposter syndrome becomes when we really let it take over us as an example, right? If we let it impact multiple aspects of our lives, that can become a problem, right? Because again, we will constantly feel like a fraud or like we don't deserve something, a promotion, a reward, whatever it may be, for example, right? We might feel like, again, we're a fraud or that we constantly have to be achieving. And even though we have so many successes and such, it's still not enough, right? So again, that can lead to a lot of self-doubt and negative self-talk. And then if we let that kind of continue and continue, that spiral of negativity can end up causing a lot of anxiety. And for some people, even depression is an example, right? So um, it's really important for us to be aware of imposter syndrome and how it's showing up in our lives, if it is. And to expand on this a little further, I found an article by Dr. Valerie Young, who is really the top researcher in imposter syndrome, right? So she really uh, dove deep and and did a lot of uh, studies and investigation in this. And what Dr. Valerie Young tells us is that typically there are five types of imposter syndromes that we see among individuals. So the first type of imposter syndrome that we see is the perfectionist, right? So perfectionism and imposter syndrome, they often really go hand in hand. And perfectionism is something that personally I still struggle with. I'm doing much better with, but essentially, I think we all know what that is, right? So um, basically, it's really when we feel like the work or whatever we're doing really must be 100% all the time. And a quick quote that I want to share with you guys that I found from a book um, that really helps me personally with perfectionism is the following. Don't wait for 100% readiness. It will never come. When you're 80% ready, go for it. Run straight at it, get exposed, risk messing up. And this really resonated with me, kind of flipped the switch, because the truth is we can't do something 100% all of the time, right? Because then we'll just start doubting ourselves and then we'll never really reach that 100%, right? So I love the fact that they're saying get to 80% and then do it, right? So whether it's uh, posting a piece of content, uh, publishing music, whatever it is, don't wait for 100% readiness. It will never come. Just go for it. The second type of imposter syndrome that is is commonly known is the natural genius, okay? So these types of imposters typically are are a bit like perfectionists and kind of set the bar very high for themselves, right? And the thing with the natural genius is is typically these people have, uh, they they excel at a lot of things, right? So for example, they might have gotten straight A's in school um, and just everything seems to come easy to them, right? So what happens is if they try something new and they fail on the first try, Or for example, they take a long time to master something, right? And again, for these people, a lot of the times things come easy to them, right? If they don't get something on the first try or they take a while to master something, that can leave them having feelings of shame and embarrassment, right? So again, they set the bar very high for themselves and also just put a lot of pressure on themselves. The third type of imposter syndrome is the expert, okay? So the expert essentially, they feel like they need to know everything about everything, okay? They need to know uh, more, right? No, they're constantly in 
in pursuit of knowledge. Uh, they might not do something specifically because they feel, oh no, I need to know more about this, right? So because they don't know everything about a subject, they might stop um, doing what they're doing until they get more knowledge. So this can lead to just reading book after book, taking course after course, for example, right? And as much as these things can be very beneficial at a certain point, if you're not applying your knowledge, right? Because again, knowledge is not power. Applied knowledge is power. So if all you're doing is consuming and consuming and not doing anything with it because of that feeling of imposter syndrome or because you feel like you need to know more, that can be a hindrance in your life, right? And just keep you stuck where you are. The fourth type is the soloist, okay? So basically this one is very independent. So you believe that you should be able to handle everything on your own, right? And if you can't achieve success on your own independently, then you consider yourself unworthy and essentially just not good enough, right? And the truth about this is that, you know, there's absolutely no shame in asking anyone for help when you need it, right? Um, it could be asking a coworker for help with something because you don't understand something. It could be that you can't figure out how to solve a problem. So you ask your boss or your supervisor, whatever it may be, right? So again, just saying, uh, because I've also felt like this in my life uh, at, at certain points, um, it, it's definitely okay to ask for help. Last but not least, we have the Superman or Superwoman or sometimes called the superhero as well. So basically, this type here needs to be the hardest worker in the room or reach the highest achievement possible. Otherwise, they are a fraud. So they basically feel like they're phonies amongst uh, their colleagues. So they feel like they constantly need to push themselves to work harder uh, to measure up, essentially. And these can also, uh, in the workplace, really be considered as uh, imposter workaholics, right? So basically, uh, they can become addicted to the validation that comes from working and not really to the work themselves. So um, essentially, this can be fueled by insecurities and such. But basically, it's really that they are trying to um, to prove themselves and prove their worth as an example. So again, this is just a quick summary of the five types of imposter syndrome that Dr. Valerie found. And personally, what I've noticed in my own life, because again, I've had imposter syndrome at uh, many different times in my life, okay? And what I've noticed is that a lot of the times imposter syndrome is kind of like this on and off thing, right? Sometimes I'll experience it, sometimes I won't. Uh, but I, I've had it in multiple different areas, right? Like, for example, even when I just graduated college, right? Um, I was like, oh my God, who am I to apply for a job in IT as an example, right? I have no idea what I'm doing. And I felt like a complete imposter going into my my new IT job, right? I felt like all my my, my two years of, of school, for example, weren't enough for me to really step into a proper role. And as I was reading through these types of imposter syndrome, again, I found myself in two uh, distinctive categories. So the first one being perfectionism, kind of like I touched on a bit here. For me, uh, a lot of the times is I feel like something needs to be 100% before it's actually submitted or whatever that may be. Um, the other one that I really, really kind of associated with here was the expert, okay? So for a long time, I was like, okay, I need to know everything about everything, okay? I need to know more. I need to have all this knowledge as an example, right? So I would read book after book after book and then take course after course. And don't get me wrong here. I'm very happy that I've I've got this knowledge and and kind of taken the courses and read those books. But again, at a certain point, what I noticed specifically for me, when I sat down with myself and really kind of dissected what imposter syndrome was, I noticed that for me specifically, the root cause of it was fear. And again, from my own personal experience with imposter syndrome, fear was the root cause of everything, right? So if we take the two uh, distinctive categories that I just mentioned about myself, the first being perfectionism and the second one being uh, the expert, right? The reason I was a perfectionist and wanted to get everything done 100% is not because I wanted to get it done 100%. It's because at the root of it, I was like, okay, well, 
You know, what if people don't resonate with this? Or what if people don't like this as an example, right? So I needed to make sure that it was 100%. But again, it's not because I was trying to get something 100%. It's because I was afraid of what people may think. The same thing goes for the expert. So again, the reason when I got into coaching as an example, right, um, I noticed myself having a lot of imposter syndrome, right? Like, who am I to help people? Who am I to uh, to be coaching people and helping them uh, with uh, different problems in their lives? And what I found myself doing after a while was that I was reading book after book after book and then course after course, right? Um, so literally no knowledge was enough, right? No knowledge was sufficient enough. And that's when I really took a step back and I was like, okay, why am I reading all these books and taking all these courses, right? Again, there's, I'm very happy that I did those, but like when I really took a step back and assessed my situation, I was like, okay, what is the root cause of this? And for me personally, it was actually fear, right? It was fear that I couldn't show up as the best coach in my client session. It was the fear that uh, people wouldn't want to work with me. It was the fear that I didn't know enough. So why would people come to me when they could go see someone else as an example, right? So for me, again, I felt like an imposter. And it was not until I actually sat down with myself and I was like, okay, you know, first of course is to be aware of it, right? So, okay, I'm aware of the imposter syndrome right now. Where is this truly coming from, right? Um, and it's, it's not until I really sat down and assessed the situation and took action that I was able to really work with my imposter syndrome. So this leads me to the the next topic here, which is about strategies for working with imposter syndrome. But before I do that, I want to talk about a few other things and maybe shed a different perspective on imposter syndrome, and then we'll get into the tips and tricks. So the first thing that I wanted to share here is a psychological phenomenon called the spotlight effect, okay? And the reason I'm mentioning this is because I find that, again, because imposter syndrome can uh, impact a variety of our lives, I do believe that the spotlight effect really ties well with this, right? So again, the spotlight effect is basically that we think that there's a spotlight on us at all times, right? Basically, we think that everyone's kind of looking at us, okay? So just as an example, okay, let's say that you wear a shirt that you're not sure um, if people will like, etc. You go somewhere and then you think like everyone's looking at you, right? You're like, oh my goodness, they're probably judging my shirt. Or if someone kind of um, just glances at you, you might be thinking, oh my goodness, they're looking at the shirt. I should not have worn this shirt, right? So this is an example of the spotlight effect. But the spotlight effect can tie in with imposter syndrome as well. Because as an example, let's say that you're in a meeting uh, and you're starting a new role, right? And you've already got that imposter syndrome. And now you're in a meeting and someone asks you a, a question and all eyes are on you, right? And maybe you make a mistake and then you go five days and that's all you're thinking about. Well, the truth is like, you know, most people will have forgotten that you said that thing uh, five minutes later, right? So again, people aren't noticing you as much as you think they are. People, most of the times just, you know, they 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 have themselves in mind. They care about themselves. So what I'm trying to say here to really uh, put this in summary is that, again, a lot of the times we think that people are so focused on us, but they're really not. The second thing that I wanted to talk about is the curse of knowledge, okay? And this happened to me when I was starting the podcast, because again, when I started this podcast, I had imposter syndrome, right? I was like, oh my goodness, who am I to be sharing this information with people? You know, why are people going to listen to me? And I had all these things, right? And again, one of these things as well, that really kind of set me back was like, okay, well, I want to talk about all these topics. I want to share this, right? But it seems like it, this may be obvious to a lot of people, or maybe these tips are very simple and won't help people, right? And then I had someone message me uh, about the podcast saying they love the podcast and I had shared some tips that um, actually really helped them and, and they were looking forward to be using more in their lives. So what I'm trying to say here is that just because it's obvious to you 
doesn't mean it's obvious to others, right? So just because it's something that you maybe have been doing for the past five years uh, and that you're very knowledgeable about doesn't mean that other people know about this, right? So in fact, it can actually be amazing to other people and also life-changing to other people, right? Because again, even if you take five people in the same room talking about all the same topics, the way we explain something can be different, right? Because it's different perspectives. So even if someone has heard what you're saying before, maybe the way you expand on it, maybe the way you share your story about it, right, um, can leave them with tips and tricks and just feel amazing, right? So again, just because it's obvious to you does not mean that it's obvious to others and it can change someone's life. And the third perspective that I wanted to offer here, and this is one thing that really changed my perspective on imposter syndrome, is that imposter syndrome doesn't have to take over our lives, right? Imposter syndrome can be used as fuel, okay? It can be good because when you really think about it, imposter syndrome can get you out of your comfort zone, right? Because when you're feeling imposter syndrome, that means that you're 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 doing something that you're not kind of familiar with. You're doing something uh, that you're not used to. You're stepping into that unknown, right? And I heard a comedian talk about this, and his name is Jimmy Carr. Uh, he was talking about this on the Joe Rogan Experience, but essentially what he was saying, and I, I really resonated with this, but basically what he was saying was that for him, he's always looking to be in that imposter syndrome environment, right? He's looking for it because he knows that when he starts to feel that imposter syndrome, he is stepping out of of his comfort zone, right? So he's really going into a place of the unknown. It challenges him. It fuels him, right? And that's why he was saying, like, he wants to step out of just doing kind of the local shows. He wants to really go into arenas, right? Because then you'll start feeling that imposter syndrome of who am I to be doing this, etc., right? So I hope this can kind of help you shift that perspective on imposter syndrome. But again, if you are feeling like an imposter in certain places, just ask yourself, like, okay, is this actually beneficial for me? Is this going to push me out of the comfort zone? Because again, you can't grow in your comfort zone. So this is just a different perspective that I want to give on imposter syndrome. But now with that being said, let's dive into some tips to help us work with imposter syndrome, okay? So the first and foremost thing is now that you've listened to this, or maybe you're already aware that you have imposter syndrome, but once you've kind of identified, okay, you have imposter syndrome, okay? Acknowledge that, accept it, right? Allow yourself to feel the imposter syndrome. Don't fight the feeling. There's no point in fighting it. And try to identify what areas of your life are you feeling like an imposter, right? Is it uh, from, for example, achievements? Is it from, uh, for example, uh, promotions at work, right? Because again, imposter syndrome can come from a lot of different places, right? And for some of us, it definitely can come from uh, our childhood, right? So for example, if we had parents uh, that placed a large emphasis on success and achievement, that can be something that triggers our imposter syndrome, right? So, and again, it can come from other places as well, but this is just a quick example. But just to say, again, acknowledge it, let yourself feel the imposter syndrome. There's no point in fighting it because again, so many people experience this in their lifetimes, right? So you are not alone. The second tip here is to really challenge your beliefs and perspectives, okay? So as a quick example, let's say that you've just gotten uh, a new position at work, right? You applied for a new position, you're stepping into that new role, and now you are feeling like a fraud, right? You're feeling like an imposter. Oh my goodness, they're going to find out that I'm actually not good at this. I'm going to get fired, all these different things, okay? Just take a step back for a moment, right? Think about it. If you got the interview and you got hired, okay? Well, the reason for that is because you are qualified for the role. If if you weren't qualified, they would not have chosen you, right? It's as simple as that. So sometimes our mind can really get negative, right? And the inner critic in our minds 
uh, can really kind of get overwhelming, right? But just take a step back and think about that, right? And also remember what you do well and acknowledge your expertise, right? Like, for example, if uh, it doesn't matter what role you're in, take take a second, think about all the certificates that you've had. Think about all of the college or university degrees that you may have, as an example, right? And one thing that can really help with this as well is, again, to remember what you do well, you can create a list of positive achievements that you have. If you're feeling like an imposter in your new role or whatever, just take a moment, write down all of your successes, all of your achievements, right? A minimum of three, but I would write down a list, right? Take Write down a list of all your successes, your achievements, the courses that you've taken. This will really challenge the beliefs that you have about not being good enough for that role or not being worthy of whatever it may be, right? Because again, if you got hired for something, you are qualified for the role. And now again, I just want to emphasize here that I understand that some of these beliefs may be harder to challenge because again, it can come from childhood, et cetera, right? So there may be some work to do with that. But what the core of what I'm saying is a lot of times is we just feel inadequate where we feel like, you know, we're not ready for something, but the truth is that we are. So just take a step back, acknowledge everything that you've done, how far that you've come and really kind of reframe and challenge the perspective of I'm an imposter, I don't deserve this award or recognition, as an example. Tip number three is to stop comparing ourselves to others, right? So this is something that I'm still guilty of and I'm still working through, even though I've done uh, a a lot of improvements here. I think that comparing ourselves to others is is something that we all kind of do unconsciously, right? Whether when we're uh, seeing an achievement at work or, or for example, uh, just social media as an example, right? So comparing ourselves to others can leave us in a place where we feel like we need to work more and do more and achieve more, right? And then if we don't uh, measure up to a certain thing, uh, we might, again, uh, step into that imposter syndrome thinking like, oh, they'll definitely find out that I'm not as good as they think I am. Uh, And then we start comparing to other people on the team that we work with or whatever it may be, right? So again, don't compare your chapter one to someone's chapter 10. Tip number four, and this is probably the most important one that I have today, but honestly, what I found for myself personally to really help me work with imposter syndrome is to get out there and do something, right? It's to take action. So again, when I started my coaching business as an example, right? I felt like an imposter. I was like, who am I to be helping these people? You know, I'm not educated enough. I need to read more books and do more courses and all these things, right? So I had this fear. I had this imposter syndrome really taking over me and it stopped me from doing a lot of things for a while. And again, this is why I'm saying it can be detrimental. But once I started seeing imposter syndrome as a a kind of a challenge, right? A way that, okay, I am stepping out of my comfort zone. The next thing to do is simply to take action, right? So I made the post on social media. I got some practice clients. And it's only when I actually started doing it that I was like, wow, I'm really enjoying this. And people are appreciating the help that I'm offering. So that made me feel significantly less like an imposter, right? And really kind of helped me step from uh, where I was into my zone of genius, right? So again, get out there and do something. Last but not least, the final tip for today is to, again, talk to someone, okay? So if you feel like imposter syndrome is taking over your life, if you feel like imposter syndrome is causing you a lot of stress and anxiety and you're just not sure what to do next, then just please talk to someone, right? It could be a friend, it could be a family member, it could be a coach, a therapist, whoever you want to talk to, that's completely fine. But By talking about it and expressing it, it'll make you feel better, right? And also, the other person might even share their own perspective on it, and you you can realize that you're not alone in this, right? Maybe they'll share that they also have had imposter syndrome, or maybe they do suffer from imposter syndrome as well, right? So again, if it is impacting your mental health, please talk to someone. But I want you to personally know that you are not alone. I've suffered through this 
many times and still do, right? Like I said, it's on and off, but you are not alone and you deserve to be able to work through this. So that being said, that's all I've got for you guys on today's episode. If you did like the episode, please feel free to leave a comment or review, share it. Um, it really helps bring awareness uh, to what I'm trying to do, which is really kind of, you know, spread this podcast on a broader scale to really help people um, just navigate everyday life challenges. So again, with that being said, I hope you have a good week and I will catch you guys next week.